pushing down that decision-making capability, not leaving it with us as the officers in the room um, or even higher up, but pushing it down to where your second lieutenants can make decisions to where normally maybe a master sergeant does it. Now let's push it down to a tech sergeant. Let's, let's push it down to give them that decision-making capability that way they can make, they, they can fail or they can succeed. Join us on this episode as we discuss multi-capable airmen and we see how one unit in PACAF is leading the charge to change the way we think about training and employing airmen. As a reminder to listeners, all topics discussed are unclassified and views expressed by guests or hosts are not necessarily the position of the United States Air Force or the Department of Defense. I'm Captain Nicholas, a maintenance officer. And I'm Captain Wilkinson, I'm a flight nurse. And we'll be breaking down what a multi-capable airman is based on ACE doctrine found in 1-21. I'm actually really excited to be covering this because I had no idea what uh, multi-capable airmen were before I came to SOS. Um, it was pretty surprising too. Once we started breaking it down and figuring out what it really was, I was like, hey, I'm kind of like a multi-capable airman. So flight nurses uh, compared to other countries, uh, we actually get to do somewhat of the loadmaster duties, so we're not reliant on them, and we get to configure the aircraft. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about uh, multi-capable airmen and what they do. Absolutely. And here to further break down what multi-capable airmen are and what looks like in the maintenance world is Major Abdul Rahim, the Director of Operations from Kadena Air Base. Uh, thank you, everybody, for having me here uh, to explain to you at least our portion of what a multi-capable airman was like. Um, just background about myself, uh, like I said, um, as you mentioned, maintenance officer by trade, coming here to Air Command and Staff College. Uh, my previous gig was Director of Operations at the 353rd Special Operations Aircraft Maintenance Squadron at the 353rd Special Operations Wing at Kadena Air Base. So uh, when the doctrine came down and when everybody was talking multi-capable airmen, it was mainly for our, I would say, mission support group side. Um, our loggies, our planners, what were they doing, our operators. But then we, we took a step back on the maintenance side and say, hey, how can we be a part of this initiative going forward for General Brown's Accelerate Change Release? So for us, we came up with the idea for Commando Flight. Not myself, but I do have to give credit to uh, Chief Master Sergeant William Cup and Senior Master Sergeant Brown uh, for putting this initiative together. And then leading it was Master Sergeant Ciccone, who actually retired, but he actually got through one iteration. But specifically, what commando flight is, because we're all our commandos in AFSOC, uh, Special Operations Command. Uh, these are personnel who are tra cross-trained um, in different specialties, but it's not just a tool in their tool jar. We also train them in expeditionary skills because of what we do out in the Pacific, trying to get after our near-peer adversaries and supporting the national defense strategy. So we decided to develop and grow these multifunctional, multi-capable airmen to get after that initiative. Uh, in de disaggregated operations. So that's, that's the general idea. Um, then to further break that down, I know that's a lot for right there, but uh, to further break it down, so what is actually commando flight? Well, what does it look like? So we based it off of the Army Special Forces model, uh, Operational Detachment Alpha. So there are redundancies in some of the career fields. So our package is actually 12 personnel, our Air Force specialty codes, our crew chiefs, engines, hydraulics, sheet metal, fuel cell, comnav, electrical environmental, um, guidance and control, electronic warfares. And then in the beginning, what we did is we took all those AFSCs and we said, hey, 
which one of these AFSCs or how these AFSCs cross, that's, that's going to be the first cross training part. And then after that, then we gave them the expeditionary skills. So we also reached out to our other agencies in our wing and we said, hey, um, we want to get these guys qualified on command and control operations. So we went over to our A6 functions and said, hey, we want to teach them on how to set up radios and do things. We went out to our special tactics squadron, which uh, is a unique capability that we have in AFSOC in the Pacific being one of the few out there. Um, we want to give them landing zone qualified. We want to teach them on SEER. We want to teach them on navigation. We want to teach them on all these other skills. That way, whenever the flag goes up or we need to do this disaggregated ops, they have these capabilities. And we don't need to take everybody with us. So in a nutshell, that is what our commando flight or multi-capable airman is. That's so cool. And then um, how long was this training? So uh, the initial get-go uh, was actually four months long, but that was our crawl phase. Um, so we sent out part of our 12-ship package, our large package. Uh, we sent our first lieutenant, actually second lieutenant at the time, and we sent our master sergeant uh, to headquarters uh, AFSOC at Hurlburt Field. They got a leadership dynamic course that they teach. They brought that knowledge back. Then the first month of the training was to teach and cross-train everybody in their functional areas. Then the second month, we taught them the expeditionary skills. And then before we sent them on their capstone event, what we had to do was to say, hey, how do we practice this? So we actually had the ability to give them one aircraft out of our small fleet send them down to the other side of the ramp and said, hey, operate like you were deployed. Don't call us, don't, you don't report to us, you don't do anything, all we get from you is pretty much is a sit rep from you. If you're gonna order a part, if you're gonna do anything, it comes out of your kit because they, they shrunk down their kits and they shrunk down everything to their footprint uh, to meet the end goal, uh, the end problem that AFSOC kind of pushed down to us. What was the uh, biggest challenge with explaining the why to the airmen? It's a good question. The biggest challenge that we did face was the knowledge, I guess, getting the information out there. Because especially when, when we go to you, you know, yourself in medical, if we go to any other AFSC and we're like, hey, teach us, the question is always why. Um, and then just explaining to them, hey, we're not just maintenance. We're not just turning wrenches. We want to be part of the bigger solution. So if you can help us, you know, we can get after this problem. So it was just going around trying to explain what commando flight, what multi-capable airman is, uh, kind of like what we're doing right now. Um, so you said that that first time that you went through the training was about four months. Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds like you've adapted and you've changed. Um, if there was going to be somebody else that wanted to try to do this initiative, um, were there any kind of like hiccups that you ran into or um, like what kind of advice would you give to somebody that wants to do what you are doing? It's a good question also. Um, so what I would say is reach out for some other tactics, techniques and procedures. Uh, I know we tried to codify that at least for AFSOC because the way we looked at it, is, it is AFSOC centric because of the way we deploy uh, and the way we get after problems um, being first in the door, things like that. But to adapt it for anybody else, uh, take those tactics, adjust them to see what works and then Go after that cross-training function and then go after the expeditionary skills. But again, it just goes back to that education piece of explaining the why to your counterparts out there uh, across your wing to be like, this is what this is what we want to do. And this is how we're going to get after it. That answers your question. It does. Thanks. So how did you define what successful training looked like? For us, what successful training looked like, at least in the first iteration, 
was the letter of X's, the tracking of all this training, and then it was the capstone event that we sent them on. Um, so initially, once we once we explained it to everybody, that was the first success. Once we got our foot in the door with our special special tactics squadron, that that was a success. That was a milestone. Once we got them to water survival, it was the many things. And then once we sent them with their own aircraft down at the other end of the ramp, and we said operate. Once we saw those successes of having the best mission capability rates, pretty much meeting every sortie that we handed them uh, and all the tasks, and even some of the higher headquarters that fell out of the sky, we were like, hey, we need help over here. Can you guys do this? And the way that they set themselves up, they were able to do that. So that was another success. And then once they did their capstone um, and they came back and they pretty much made every single sortie again um, to meet the mission, we definitely said, hey, this is the way we're going. Let's tailor it. Let's tailor it down and let's see what we can do for the next iteration. Do you feel like your members, now that they've gone through this training, they have like a broader like uh, ability when they're working, like they have all these extra skills that they have. Do they have a better like job satisfaction or what have you noticed with the members? When they are in commando flight, Everybody loves commando flight in the unit that I was in. The reason being because getting after it, one of the biggest things is pushing down that decision-making capability, not leaving it with us as the officers in the room um, or even higher up, but pushing it down to where your second lieutenants can make decisions to where normally maybe a master sergeant does it. Now let's push it down to a tech sergeant. Let's, let's push it down to give them that decision-making capability that way they can make they, they can fail or they can succeed. Um, everybody's craving leadership. Everybody's craving to do that. So when everybody's in there, you know, um, when we pick these individuals, we offset their normal Air Force training, their CBT, so they don't have to do any of that stuff. We tell them, hey, once you take care of the aircraft and you're done for the day, you can go home. So working a seven, six-hour day is always uh, appealing for everybody. Um, plus getting after the mission, making that happen uh, is always a success. And then once they graduate through the program, we do give them the uh, the commando hat. Um, they get the MCA patch on them. Um, and then we, we set them free back to their sections. But we do uh, have specific taskings that do come down that are specifically made for commando flight. And they're usually the first out the door um, with those things. So That's exciting. Less work hours, get a little <laughs> swag, do some cool missions. Pretty much. And then uh, to go along with this, going back to the success piece, um, I know when we send these individuals, guys and gals out on TDY, they're, they're usually the rock stars out there. They're usually the superior performers, winning all the awards, doing all these things because it's not just, hey, I'm going TDY, I'm just to do these things. Like I can offer more. I, I can provide security because I'm, I'm, I'm trained in security forces. I can do other things. So it's always great to look back now, um, now that I'm not in it, but I'm looking, you know, at all the posts that are out there from PA um, and it's always commando flight. So it's just getting that verbiage out there. Kind of going into the Afro-Gen model, how does commando flight look with that four cycle piece? We're not there yet, at least for our iterations, um, but our end goal, once we get the throughput, because we, we are about to graduate our fourth iteration coming up. But our end goal is once we have enough throughput is to align commando flight section with our ops counterparts and their forge in cycle. So essentially, 
whenever they are in their up cycle, we would tag these individuals in their up cycle as well. The way if, if the flag were to go up, their bags are already packed. They are they already know that they're going, and it's not, hey, I need you to go, I need you to go, I need you to go, and let's let's work through who has all this training done. They're already done. They're in that up cycle, and they're they're already ready to go. That's what we want to get to, I should say, but uh, it is mainly the throughput portion that we're trying to trying to work through right now. From like a readiness standpoint, what will this look like? Because you, you're having your members going through like SEER, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going through like some type of water survival, CE, all these extra things. Um, what does it look like for um, obtaining just that continuing education? That was one thing, uh, unfortunately, before I left, that we were scratching our brains on. Um, the nearest alligator to the boat for us was the throughput portion to get folks trained. Then the next thing that we looked at was the sustainment pieces. How do we keep these individuals, technicians qualified mm-hmm. um, on their annual training? That way it's not, again, just a burden on the other entities out there that are helping us. So that's something we were looking through. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have an answer right now because I know that was something, it was written on my board in my office, sustainment, like what do we do? And that was the big circle my superintendent and myself, we were, we were scratching our brains. So I would have to reach back on that one. What's the lowest level that this was pushed down to? Are we looking at commando flight as a individual squadron initiative? We looked at it just for our squadron uh, itself because typically whenever a plane goes somewhere, maintenance goes along with it. So we said, hey, how can we how can we shrink our footprint? How can we how can we just make it ops maintenance and a small support package just to go to sustain? Uh, to get out there, to be the first in the door, to be agile, nimble, uh, and with speed uh, to get after the problems at hand, via it be um, humanitarian assistance, to um, airdrops, uh, anything that needs to be done. Um, Because the unique capability that we have being uh, MC-130Js out there is we can pretty much go anywhere and we can land anywhere. Um, so that really enables the ACE concept, the agile combat employment. So we can, we can, we can do those things. And then additionally, um, we're trying to get our individuals qualified on forward air refueling because we do have the extra pods that come with the MC-130J so we can refuel aircraft. So if we go to an airfield, uh, a truck doesn't have to be there to refuel, you know, fighters or anything. We can do that. Um, we can re- refuel the fighters that are out there. We can refuel the helicopters. So we just looked at it at our small squadron level. Uh, and I know we did reach out to our mission partners on the 18th wing side because they do have the fighter aircraft out there. They have 15. So we said, hey, let's 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 try to incorporate that. That's awesome. Less people that you have to take. To get after these 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 near peer problems that are that are coming. So how did the commanders of the uh, theater missions perceived commando flight and did you have any successes that outpaced your capabilities interesting question <laughs> so when we when we first pitched the idea i know uh, the appsoc commander was coming through because we just had to change command and rather than do the regular walk around of hey here's my stellar airman here's here's our facilities it was Hey, we we have this idea, and this is how we want to get after a problem. And it was it was so interesting that the AFSOC commander stopped pretty much what he was doing and said, "No, this is what I want to talk about. This is how we're getting after problems." So so that was our first foot in the door. Um, and then every time 
we had a another commander or anybody again it was getting that verbiage out there that way everybody's speaking the same lingo this was this was our briefing we would take them down to commando flight we would take them to their training we would take them to their places that way they can understand what this is so when they go back and they need to talk to socom which is our you know the, the higher headquarters above that they know what it was and i know um our chief when he was filling in he went down to socom and, and was talking about it and everybody was like commando flight commando flight commando flight so the verbiage is out there, We're still in the fledgling states, but this is going to be the big thing. And I cannot wait uh, to see how our squadron, my previous squadron, um, adapts and moves in the future with this. It'll definitely be a testament to what other people can do as well, just following your lead. Mm -hmm. I think that wraps up our podcast for Deciphering Doctrine, uh, specifically on multi-capable airmen. Are there any closing comments you'd like to close with uh the closing comments i would say i do want to give a shout out <laughs> to the wizards at 353 soa mxs uh for leading the way out there uh, multi for the multi-capable airmen and commando flight specifically uh for doing a great job um and especially everybody at the, out there at the sal and thank you to all the partners out there i couldn't say it enough before i left thank you to everybody out there who helped us get this off the ground and specifically Special Tactics Squadron for helping us. They bent over backwards to help us. Um, again, we did run into some roadblocks, but we did get it out there. But it is the way of the future. Um, and and the more we can explain this and get the message out there, I, I think it'll be easier, especially in the Pacific, um, once we pivot over there to get after those problems. But thank you for having me. That's gonna do it for today's episode of the Deciphering Doctrine podcast. This podcast is produced by the LeMay Center, mixed by Air University Public Affairs, and conducted by students at Squadron Officer School. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.